Ladies and gentlemen, get your ears ready for the Bottom Line Podcast. I'm Jiggy, and I'm joined here with John Kilmer. That's me. (laughs) Well, go ahead. Listen to the podcast. Do it. All right. Welcome to episode 127 of the Bottom Line Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle. Alongside me is my co-host, Steve, and we got Pat Knight in the building as well. Uh, make sure you go to subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud by searching Always Up to Something. You can also watch the full version of each podcast on our YouTube page. Next, give our sponsor Always Up to Something a follow on Instagram at underscore Always Up to Something underscore and use promo code TBLPOD on Always Up to Something dot store for 10% off any purchase. Once again, that's promo code TBLPOD for 10% off any purchase on Always Up to Something dot store. And finally, you can follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at bottomline underscore pod. Without further ado, we welcome on Jiggy and John Kilmer, recurring guests of the, t- the Bottom Line podcast. Thank you guys Yay. for coming on. <laughs> you ready? Wait, who's the third guest there, John? Who's that? Is that Stretch Armstrong? Yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, hey. I was way off. Oh. <laughs> that, that's awesome. Um, yeah. How, how, many, how many Stone Cold Steve Austin toys do we have laying around the curb? <laughs> about, about a baker's dozen. Yeah, I was about to say probably a bunch. Well, thanks for uh, for uh, coming on here and taking time again. Um, I guess a uh, quick shameless plug prior. I got Pat sitting here next to me. The people who uh, who have followed us, he's been joining us here and there. But um, recently, actually, John, uh, a, a friend of both of ours, I had Alex Bush here. Um, at my house for a couple of days, he was pl- playing golf out here on Long Island, so he stayed. Oh, the bu- the Bushman. Yes, the Bushman. And then uh, <laughs> I had Pat here. Kyle came to visit as well. I met him for the first time in uh, in the few years that we started this. But we've been putting out uh, music videos for Pat, so go check those out. The links in his bio. Uh, we got four out now, and then we got a couple more coming too. So check those out. But uh, back to you guys. Um, first, John. Love the fucking videos you've been putting out. Uh, I mean, where's the creative inspiration come from for those? Which one? The one that, the one that, Mia Shakira? <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's start. There. <laughs> um, I believe I was at, uh, I was at, uh, Johnny Copi, my buddy, Johnny Copiano, who we call Mish. I was at his house. I was at his <laughs> house or I, I was at someone's house not too long ago. Uh, just completely zooted out of my mind. And I came across this app where you can just like take a selfie and it like replaces your face on like people's bodies and stuff like on anyone's body. Uh, so the Shakira one obviously tickled my fancy a little bit. It's incredible technology, by the way. Yeah. Uh, I did pay three ninety nine for the app uh, to, for it to be ad free. It was worth it. But uh, <laughs> essentially you just take like a selfie and it just put your face on like uh, on whoever I, I got like a Taylor Swift one. I got a, I got a Shakira one. I got a Justin Bieber one. I mean, you name it. It's it's hysterical. Um, the the couple that you've been posting, and I've seen the same kind of technology used when Tom Segura did his little dance video, and he uh, he stabbed Bert Kreischer to death, and they used his <laughs> face at the end of that. And then uh, and then uh, you see if you're a UFC fighter, Darren Till does it, and he puts his face on all the other UFC fighters when they have big fights coming up. So it's it's definitely cool technology, like you're saying, how like it's amazing what you could do nowadays with people's voices, especially when it's recorded and photographs once they're on the internet. If it's one thing I learned from the Shakira video, I would be a fucking hot chick, dude, with a mustache. Dude, I liked it. <laughs> Are you mm-hmm. kidding me? I I'd fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> what's going on in your world, man? Um, <laughs> Back to you at the studio, Steve. (laughs) Well, that's all the time we have today. (laughs) (laughs) I think uh, think we should just cut it there. Um, But yeah, so Jiggy, what's going on with you, man? Um, Are you in New York right now? I'm in New York City. I have done. I've not done any female face morphing yet, but that's on. It's on the schedule. It um, is. Female face. I would go for Brittany though over Shakira, but Shakira. No one can shake it like Shakira. Well, I was just um, about to ask who would be like the top three celebs we could see uh, Jiggy's face on. I would want to see a Michael Jackson morph. 
Ooh. Yeah, I was going to say, I could name all of Jiggy's picks. I know. Like, can, is there a way that all my faces could be on every single Backstreet Boy? Let's go. <laughs> Hello, fantasy. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's pretty cool. I might have to dabble in that technology. It was very seamless, though. You know the thing? I've seen, like, other face morphs, but that one in particular – John, it really captured the facial expressions seamlessly. Like it's I really oddly, oddly realistic. Yeah I, yeah, I truly yeah. believed in it. Like that technology 25 years ago, that's like how they made Jurassic Park. You know, it would cost like $25 million to get right. that technology. Right, and now we just have it right on our cell phones. Right and you paid slightly less than that, right? Did you say $30.99 or $3.99? $3.99. Oh, that's, and that's hefty for an app these days. Yeah. And then for and a then, week, <laughs> one week. Oh, you must have had to shit out all the different. You had to go through your Rolodex of all your female fantasies. <laughs> I did. I was, I was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, that Rolodex has to be pretty long too. Um, but yeah, it's amazing, kind of like the technology we could have in our in our palms. Uh, what's uh, kind of both of your opinion on you know like we're definitely living in a different world with all this COVID stuff, and more people are creating digital content and. And, and putting their focus like heavy into digital stuff. Uh, what's your kind of opinion on like creating content now with everyone kind of having a little bit of limitations or maybe some people are just afraid to pop out like they used to. Jiggy's been crushing it. He's been doing the live comedy shows. Jiggy, tell him about it. Uh, well, I think that the, I think the limitations of the, of the virus have actually made people more creative. So I think people are making more stuff um, and sometimes like even what John and I saw, like making our first movie is like, you know, sometimes when you're posed with limitations, it makes you better, you know? So I think that people are seeing that more widespread. So a lot of content creators across like all different disciplines are, are, I think people are putting out more stuff and trying to push whatever they're doing to the limits. So as a stand-up comic, I never thought that I'd be become like a, uh, like an only fan cam girl for my comedy shows but uh you know what do you what do you do i'm out there like i'm i'm eating the world's hottest chocolate shaving my head waxing my legs i'm doing whatever i can do. <laughs> it's tough times out there tough times i'm not What's out there making the music today, videos mark? like you guys on long island <laughs> what's on um, the menu today mark <laughs> i'm doing a show i have a show this coming weekend free show it's called taste funny i don't know what i'm gonna make yet maybe italian inspired who knows um, but I do like these comedy shows and uh, I mix in um, challenges and storytelling and it, it's been fun. So for me, that's been my outlet. But um, and, yeah, and I, think, I think coronavirus has helped. Right, for sure. You guys kind of uh, have always um, handled that. You know, you, you've never been like, you, you've always been consistent with content, no matter it seems like what you guys going on, you're still kind of creators at heart and, and you're doing it naturally. Um, what about you, John? Like, and I guess like reflect a little bit, cause I know you work on some mic stuff too, and the podcast stuff too. Like, how's it for you guys, uh, kind of handling, um, like what's going on. And, and I know that, um, you guys had some big plans for this year, so it could have set something back. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's obviously a, a huge kick in the dick with music, uh, and touring and everything. It looks like we're not going to tour until next year now. Um, I know we, we definitely had plans to release a ton of music this year and it's starting to come out. Uh, yeah. But we were, def we were definitely excited. We, I mean, we haven't toured in a year and a half. So, uh, you know, when, when you're that, when you're, when you're that like long off the road, I get a little antsy anyways, cause I'm, I'm a road dog at heart. So like, I like, <laughs> I like to be out there, but um, you know, when, when life gives you lemons, you know, you, you make lemonade. So you, when all this shit went down, you know, we, uh, we got creative. We did like the Bellina Cup beer pong tournament, right. which was like the, the first of its kind, probably the biggest beer pong tournament in the world. And have and, seen many mimic afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, even Barstool did their own afterwards. Right. Um, so it's, you know, and, and, you know, it's you can do little things like that to just kind of like, uh, you know, make the best of a bad situation. Um, and then as far as content, you know, like the podcast has been great doing that. It's been difficult at times when Mike leaves for four weeks at a time, uh, partying with Post Malone in Utah, <laughs> where, <laughs> where I'm kind of left on my own to like figure out what the show's going to be. But uh, right. besides that, besides that, uh, you know, it's it's really just making the best of a bad situation. Yeah, seriously. And <clears throat> let me tell you, uh, kudos to you, kudos to him. You know, when he's in town, you guys doing the podcast, it always seems to be a hit. And then, uh, like you're saying, when he's been taking these uh, mini hiatuses. 
um, and going to have some fun and, and hopefully making some music for us. Uh, you've been doing a great job at kind of managing it with another friend of our show, Huey, and, and the other guys that have been able to take part. Um, first off, like, I know I could speak for uh, Kyle and Pat here. Shout out to fucking um, to Coda and, uh, and Sachi. You know what I mean? Like, I know that, like, they're both, like, in the works here and there, but, like, they've been with you guys for a long time, and Sachi obviously – uh, has been popping his head out a little bit more than he used to, but like those guys kill it. And I know that the Mike Stud fan base loves those guys, if not mm-hmm. as much as he loves you guys. So shout out to them as well. Um, yeah. But, uh, but you guys have been doing a great job, even when uh, Mike hasn't been around and keeping the show interesting and fun and having great guests. Um, before you guys started, me and Kyle spoke about the podcast a lot and hoping you guys would do it. And I'm just saying that like, Everything you're doing is like just as good as we hoped, if not blown away. So shout out to you Thanks. guys. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. Of course. Um, so let's talk about uh, the movie a little bit, if you guys can. Um, you guys are collabing again and, and doing another film. Um, I was happy with uh, my brand being in your first one, and I thought it was amazing. I was able to meet some cool people coming out of that one, like fucking Donkey and Johnny uh, Capriano, <laughs> um, like you were saying before those cool guys. Um, so I'm like, ex- I'm super excited to see what you guys have in store for this one. Uh, kind of talk about like what's going on a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Jay, give the breakdown of what the movie's about. Um, well, I, I, to kick things off, like we did the the first movie and I think coming off the heels of that, we learned, we definitely learned a lot. And one thing that we talked about going into the next one is I think we both kind of had this affinity for like true stories for, for making something that was like based on a true story. So that was one thing that I really wanted to do. And also putting it in a time period that we both really love, which is the 80s. Mm-hmm. So that kind of like set the tone for what we want to do. And so the, the movie uh, takes place in the 1980s in the Freetown State Forest, which is one of the most haunted forests in America in uh, outside uh, of Massachusetts. And it's three buddies trying to rescue one of their wives who gets uh, kidnapped by a satanic cult. <laughs> so it's a, it's, and it's a comedy thriller uh pseudo horror movie okay um, but it, it was a story that john found it's based on true events and uh so john found it when we were like trying to research and find stuff that like hasn't been turned into film or written into books and um john can kind of dive into like how he found the story and, and how we plan on like executing it yeah, I mean, I it all kind of started with a. Uh, I was kind of always intrigued by by cults in general, and I, I knew I want I, I knew I wanted to do like I know well no just they just always fascinated me and like I and I've also been fascinated by movies that um, that kind of like create fictional characters to change the course of historical events. Tarantino does it all the time. Um, he, he did it in his last movie, um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where he kind of has like the Charles Manson references and stuff. And he has like his fictional characters kind of like change the course of some historical events uh, towards the end of the movie. So I was always intrigued by that. And, um, and then one day I, I just, I wanted to do something involving cults and like kind of like a comedy thriller involving cults. So I, I just went on the internet one day and just looked up like most popular, most popular cults in America. And this one <laughs> popped up, this one popped up uh, in Massachusetts and I'm like, Oh, I gotta like, I gotta check this one. Massachusetts is in the top 10. I gotta check it out. And it turns out that like this, there was this whole like prostitution ring with like, uh, and the pimp was like a a Satanist and he like formed this whole satanic cult based around like his prostitution ring. And he like brainwashed all these girls that he was pimping out and like uh, made them all Satanists. And he ended up like murdering a couple of them. And it was like this huge thing and like ended up being like a huge court case that was like dragged out for like tens of years. And, uh, some people are still in jail for it, and um, it's. I, don't, I was just super intrigued by the whole story, so I kind of wanted to base it around that. Well, it, well, part of me wishes that there was a documentary or something on this, but then another part of me is happy there isn't. So then you guys can do it. <laughs> there actually, there actually is one in, in production about the the uh, the court cases that surrounded this. It's not necessarily like the story itself, but more about like because like there are some people that were like wrongly accused that went to jail that have been in jail for like. 30 or 40 years and uh it was like a crazy like the court cases surrounding it was like a whole nother 
thing on its own. So that'll be a very interesting documentary that I think is coming out pretty soon. So it sounds like you guys have a pretty good grip of at least concept or idea, or at least where the inspiration is going to come from. What kind of role do you guys take individually from like this point going forward to kind of turn this from an idea to actually making it happen? Jake? Uh, well, I, first step for us is putting together a very detailed treatment. So that's basically just writing a outline of where we want the story to go, beginning, middle, end, um, outlining the different acts, which is kind of, I think that's like the heart of the work, you know, that kind of is, is showing exactly what we want to do. And then it goes into scripting, which is uh, more of John's forte, but I'm going to be helping out more with this script and, um, and then is into like the production stuff, which is the hardest part. The hardest part is by far the production. Um, and this is the fun part of using your imagination, writing, writing the craziest, funniest shit you can try to think of. And then production hones down what you can actually get done. Right. Just to put just to put in perspective, when uh, he was talking about the treatment, I mean, the treatment is essentially like a, a book report about what your movie is about, you know, like as detailed as possible. And it's it's like it's so important to do that. And everyone does this, by the way, but it's so important to do that before you write your script. And just to put it in perspective, when I made uh, when I started writing the Primrose, I didn't have a treatment. I was just making it up as I went along, which right. is like not not what you're supposed to do. <laughs> so. Um, we're definitely, you know, stepping it up on the creative side as well this time around. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it sounds like just like anything else, if you do the first one, get it under your belt, you get excited for the next one. And I remember having you on here after the movie had came out, John, and we were talking about it a little bit and I was picking your brain about where it was going. And, and you were just saying, you know, I feel like we learned a lot from this one that we could bring it to the next one. So it's exciting to, to hear about that and uh shameless plug if you need anybody for the movie let me know i'm right on right on long island um got you steve yeah you know how to, you know how to get me um but uh <laughs> but so no but that's super exciting um the i know that a lot of people were looking forward to the first time that you were doing this and uh and just getting the movie out there but um i think after hearing this stuff that they'll be really excited to to see um see what's in the works next uh, let me flip it to Kyle for a little bit. He might have to have some things to ask. Yeah. Um, so you guys launched uh, this playlist called uh, the snoozers on Spotify. It, it, <laughs> explain a little bit about that and uh, how that came about. Yeah, I'll, I'll kick it off. Cause like, I, I kind of have like the beginnings of this idea, but like it's really jiggy who brought it into fruition. Um, like I've been talking about it for like a year. Um, about how I wanted to raise money for this film through uh, the constructs of music streaming um, because we did Kickstarter and like crowdfunding the first time around and you know it was great and like it, it created a whole community and like people really came together and helped us out and it was wonderful but it just really sucks my soul to like keep asking people for money and like I know, I know like we did it for a few months and like it, it just took a lot out of me and I feel like I wanted to do something like a little more creative the second time around. So uh, the whole music streaming thing was like in my mind, but I didn't really know how I was going to like do it. And like, I, originally I wanted to make um, like a playlist of songs and like just have people like listen to them and stuff. And then I did a little more research and like I saw on online that like a stream to count as a stream when you're listening to music, you have to listen to it for at least 30 seconds. So I, I came up with the idea of like, well, what if I had like a playlist of a bunch of 30 second songs uh, <laughs> that, that people would just like loop and loop and loop. And then like, you know, you get the same money for a 30 second song as you do for a four minute song. So, uh, I, but like, I, it still didn't like the full idea, like didn't really come together yet. Cause like, I, I'm like, what am I going to do? Like make 30 second songs or like, uh, like I, I had no idea what the actual content was going to be. And then Jiggy came into my life. <laughs> we were, John and I were on a long call, like talking creatively about the movie. And I think I literally said out loud, John, lightning bolt to the dick. Um, <laughs> because I, I loved the idea of like raising money through Spotify, but I, I wanted to combine things that people actually would want to listen to throughout the night. So I'm like, why don't we be like the first like badasses of sleep music? Um, <laughs> which is just like, it's a funny concept, I think. And, and so that's what the snoozers is. It's ambient sleep albums. Um, 
you know, John's over there mixing them in the same studio that like, <laughs> pop hits are coming out of. We're making fucking cricket noises. Um, I think so- Saint Tropez was made here by Post Malone. In <laughs> <laughs> California by the snoozers. <laughs> so we have, we, we wanted, uh, we, we kind of pictured it as going into a couple different buckets, like the people who wanted to support the movie and the cause and would loop, um, would loop the album overnight because they want to support us. Uh, and then also people, the other bucket is like people who just like ambient sleep music. And if they had a choice between listening to something that was just like an image of a bird that like Spotify puts out or listening to us, if there was a little bit of a story, maybe they would pick us. So we just kicked it off um, less than two weeks ago and we are approaching like 60,000 streams, which is like, we're still in our infancy, but um, you know, we're starting to get like a real nice groundwork of all the people who are going to come help support. And our goal is to get a thousand streamers a night. That's our goal. A thousand streamers a night. Well, I have not been using it. I certainly will start using it. Steve. Come on, Steve. I'll be telling, uh, I'll definitely be telling uh, all my friends to now. Um, Well, I'm looking at right now, we'd be at 997. Oh my God. (laughs) 1000 minus three. Come on, guys. No, so, so uh, but I'll, but I'll I'll definitely be tuning in to help out. Um, but that's that's so uh, that's so creative uh, of an idea to think of and and a cool way because uh, like you're saying, John, with like my clothing brand, like I always find like that I feel like I'm asking people to try and buy stuff all the time. You know, even though even if I'm not purposely doing it, and it's not really a good feeling. So like for a while, I'll just like purposely does not promote people ordering just to make myself feel better, even though I know yeah. it's purpose, but it's just like, it's just a weird feeling. And uh, so like, I know exactly what you're saying where like when you're spending time, like building funds for something, especially on that level, I'm sure it could be uh, a little tolling. So it's nice to have a cool creative way to, uh, to do things. What, uh, is there going to be some expansions of this? Is this going to be something that's going to be, <laughs> up? what are the, what are the, oh, uh, well, Jiggy's, Jiggy's taking it completely overboard, but he's already been shopping for billboard space. <laughs> Billboards. Uh, yeah. We're, uh, over the top, I think I'd describe my marketing approach. I want to be on billboards. I want to be, I want, I'm looking at our local newspapers in Massachusetts for full page spreads. My mom, I told my mom, Kilmer, by the way, that I wanted to take a full page ad out for the snoozers. Uh, in the Lexington Minuteman, our local newspaper, and her response verbatim was, please don't. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, but we want to, uh, I, I think, John, correct me if I'm wrong, but we, I think the goal is to keep on putting out uh, more sleep albums, you know, because I think people like to go to sleep to different things. So we're, we're taking in a lot of feedback of like what works for other people, whales, you know, we're, we're, <laughs> we, we did like a golf concept that would be, you know, like you're on a golf course at twilight, you can hear little golf swings. And uh, I don't know, I, I think the, the wackier, the better. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. It sounds so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, that's got to be fun to work on too, John, right? <laughs> Mark and I have had the funniest conversations like going over <laughs> Cause I, I send him my final mixes for notes and he's like, uh, I didn't really expect like the, the crickets to be as loud in this particular environment. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you're right. I'm like the high end EQ could really come down on the waves crashing against the pier. You're right. <laughs> I think he, we were working on a, an album called Nantucket Harbor side. And um, he sent me the album for notes and I'm like, John, give me more foghorns. I want to hear the boats. (laughs) Give me the boats. I don't feel it right in the beginning. We've had some very interesting musical conversations. I want to take a, I want to take a step back because we have like, I can't take all the credit. Like we definitely can't take all the credit for like coming up with this idea first. Um, As far as raising it money for a film, like, yes, but like we looked online and there's actually like, sleep ambient artists that are crushing it on spotify and like looking over their numbers like i think they've probably made like a million dollars doing this and (laughs) and uh, it's got to be fun you know it it sounds like it's fun to work on it sounds like it makes people happy and whatever you put those it's 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 like it's diff it was difficult though because since we weren't the first people to come to spotify and streaming platforms with this it was very complicated to get um 
just to get this type of material on streaming platforms because like, I mean it's technically like it's a loophole and when you're dealing with a loophole you have to like really hit the nail on the head with you know every aspect of it so you know like originally we wanted to like not even call it you know the snoozers but then like it's you know we have to make it an artist because it's on Spotify and that's where musicians are so then we're the snoozers and then, <laughs> and we wanted 30 second songs but then they're saying it has to be at least one minute song. So we made, you know, one minute song. So like, it was definitely a process. It took a few months to get the ball rolling, but. Um, we got rejected, I think a dozen times. And in our, <laughs> our first artist name was called Tight Sleep. And then <laughs> Tight Sleep, we tried to jam through all these different loopholes and we got rejected so many times that we got banned, Ooh. like lifelong banned for Tight Sleep. <laughs> so we had, to, we had to turn into the snoozers. Well, I, I, like, I like the snoozers. Uh, we have we have nine minutes left here before we have to take a break. And after the break, I want to ask your advice on some things um, while we have you here. But I guess with the the last little time before, uh, start with John. What like what's your highlight of your career so far? You've done a whole bunch of cool stuff. You've worked on a bunch of projects. But which one do you like look back on? And just like, even if it's, I know you, you probably have a bunch that you enjoy, but what's one that comes to the top of the head that you don't mind sharing um, <laughs> that, uh, that, that sticks out over your long career? Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of like, not necessarily accolades, but moments, moments throughout my career that um, like really just give me like little goosebumps when I think about it. Mm -hmm. um, definitely like Primrose related, like probably when when we screened the film for the first time in boston like our hometown screening um right. with like a packed out you know uh like two guy kyle you were there weren't you i was yep yeah what a magical moment that was i mean i, I don't think i took i don't think i took a single breath the entire hour and 17 minutes we screened the film like i was so nervous but like just you know seeing the spending like you know over a year working on something and then seeing the payoff you know in front of all your friends and family like that that was a huge accolade for me um going back even further uh stuff with like mic related stuff i remember the first time we sold out house of blues in boston which was like 2500 people probably one of our biggest shows uh the first time like stepping out onto that stage uh huge you know that that moment was just unbelievable and then if i take a step back even further uh High school, I, I played a guitar performance for Steven, Steven Tyler of Aerosmith. That was, that was, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Um, I, I stole a pair of my mother's pants and I, I, I had an afro at the time. I picked it out, put on some aviators and I just rocked the fucking house. Wow. So uh, I'd, I'd say those are pretty, pretty top three for me. What about you, Diggy? Um, yeah, I, I would echo. I was hoping that you'd mentioned that the Primrose in Boston was a very special thing because uh, mm -hmm. I, I don't think that I ever worked on something um for so many hours without testing it i don't know how to explain it like as a comic you know you like you do a joke a million times and like you kind of see it grow but in a movie like you spend all this time like uh, behind the scenes like uh, hoping and plotting and scheming and then that it all came down to that showing so but that was very exciting i think i sat up there with john we both were just like uh, <laughs> Are people laughing? I blacked out, uh, but that was pretty fun. And then I did, uh, I, I played uh, Madison Square Garden in the Boston Garden, opened for the Impractical Jokers, which those were, that was pretty, pretty wild, pretty wild nights. I'd say the Boston Garden was even more um, just important as a Boston guy. And that night was actually a night of a massive blizzard and the night the Patriots played the Chiefs in the AFC championship game. So it really stacked up the importance. Mm -hmm. Like everyone's like looking at their, it was just like an unbelievable night. Uh, and they won, of course. So great night, great moment. It's yeah, it's amazing how sports and culture and stuff can just build up like an evening, you know, when a bunch of things are just hitting on the right night, it, it can make some stuff special. Let me say though, John, I don't know if you put two and two together because I know you've, uh, you've done countless shows across your career, but you had done a mini, and I think this is why it would stick out. You did a mini tour uh, over the, one of the summers where uh, things were a little slow on the mic end with music-wise um, that you stopped at AC. Do you remember that show by any chance? We've done uh, – is it Harris? Uh, yeah. So do yeah, you we, remember we, – we, We've done it twi two or three times. Right, and, and, uh, and I think it was the last time you, you did it. But do you remember that uh, that – you had pulled me on stage during that that show. 
<laughs> Absolutely not. Would <laughs> right, but but my but my point is saying is like when you when you uh, when you talk about goosebump moments, that was one of mine. So we definitely share one there. You ready? Shut up, Steve. There you go. <laughs> All right, we're good. So we've taken two breaks. We've now taken two breaks, <laughs> uh, and uh, and we got two smart guys here. So. Um, I want to ask your advice on a few things. Um, first thing is is that uh, I've been working with Pat doing some music videos, and I know, uh, John, um, the word filmer isn't in your name for nothing. So uh, <laughs> what uh, – as this is the first time I'm really directing some stuff. Um, what are some, like, advice that you could give me into, like, kind of just directing a music video in general? What are things maybe that I should make sure I have set up prior or some things I should stay focused on while I'm doing it. I know it's kind of, uh, it's kind of situational with each one, but just generally speaking, what's some advice that you have over the, from you've picked up over the years, just making music videos in general. Uh, sure. Um, I mean, I'll be honest. Uh, it's, you're kind of in a more difficult time right now because video equipment has just never been more accessible, uh, especially digital digital video equipment. Whereas I, I, I'm going to be honest, like I, I, I kind of was lucky with timing uh, back when I started. Uh, I, I finished college in 2010. And back then, you know, DSLR cameras were like, just starting to shoot video. And, you know, I, I looked up to guys like Rex Arrow, who did all of, you know, Mac Miller's videos. And I kind of like, in a way, just modeled a lot of my stuff after his, just because I liked, you know, his style. And like, it was an achievable style that people really liked. And, uh, you know, it's equipment that I had. So uh, there just weren't as many, you know, filmers in the pot back then. And um, I kind of made me like a, I, it, just, it was just lucky, you know, I was lucky to, to be like a commodity back then where I could uh, be, you know, one of few. Whereas now, you know, it's, it's very easy to get video equipment. So you kind of have to, you have to like really stand out by being creative with your videos, you know? Um, I would say, you know, put, put a lot of your emphasis on pre-production and coming up with creative ideas, uh, especially if you're working with, you know, a shoestring budget. Um, you know, if, if it's not aesthetically pleasing, come up with something that's, you know, like a, a unique concept or go to a unique place or, you know, it's something to make it stand out. Um, because, you know, there's just so many people doing it now. And uh, especially like high-end videos are just so high-end now that, you know, if you're working on a low budget, you just really have to, you know, you have to just come up with some like just really, really interesting ideas. And I know that's not a lot of help, but, <laughs> but, no, but, I mean, well, but besides that, it's also just repetition, you know, like, right. you know, you said you just started directing your first videos, you know, like wait till you, you've done like 50 and like compare yeah. your 50th to your first, you're going to notice like a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause, and then I've, I'm like talking like Pat's not sitting next to me. I have a luxury of that like these are the first ones that he's really putting out on his youtube page and we're really pushing them but, like from a creative perspective like there are like simple things that i come up with that still work for pat because like he hasn't done it before you know whereas i know that like if i had worked with a couple artists that have now hit me up since i put these out they're like steve i, I want your fingerprint on things then i then i'm like thinking well i have to do things a little differently with, like with them but uh, but no, that you brought up some good points, uh, and um, and I definitely I definitely am putting like way more thought into things prior to actually going and shooting it, uh, like you're saying um, with the with these videos uh, that we've done after the first one. Um, yeah. And then uh, Pat, you got any questions for these guys? Not really. Yeah. Just enjoy the combo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Steve, Steve. Also, another thing, and it kind of is reflected with music production too, whereas especially now, like uh, for producing music, it's kind of similar to filmmaking where like the, the equipment to produce has just become so accessible. Um, and it's even with like, like Splice, for example, like it's, it's essentially put like every music sample ever like on the market for anyone to have. So everyone's kind of on the equal playing field. Um, and like, it's similar for film where like now is a time, I think more than ever that like true, like talent of the craft is going to like make you rise above. So like, if you're interested in music videos, like I strongly suggest you just like, 
you know, look at, you don't have to go to school for it, but like look into filmmaking and like just look up even YouTube tutorials on just like film theory and like cinematography and stuff like that. And like, that's what's going to absolutely set you apart because anyone can have a camera now. So they're all on equal playing field, you know, back when I was doing it, not everyone had a camera. So there's less people on equal playing field. So, um, and the same thing applies to music. Like, you know, anyone can sit down and make beats because like everyone has every, every sample in the world now at their fingertips. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, software is super cheap as well now, but the true musicians are the ones that are rising above that can play instruments that know about music theory that can craft songs really well, that can write music. Those are the people that are actually like coming through right now and actually seeing success. So that that's another thing that I would definitely recommend. Well, that piques my interest because I don't know if you noticed, but I'm not like necessarily sitting here saying that like, oh, I want to get into cinematography and I want to get into shooting music videos. Like I love the idea of concepting and directing the video itself, but as mm-hmm. for shooting it and all that, I just do it because like that's kind of the, the trade I need to take up on. But all the things that you're kind of giving me is more theory and concept things that I can dig into that I'm definitely going to. And mm-hmm. like you're saying, for the past fucking week or so, Pat mm-hmm. can tell you, I've been, I've been watching YouTube videos and frankly, if I'm being honest with you, watching your videos and watching Cole Bennett videos and just, and just learning kind of like how you shot things. Like we did something outside for him and then I watched the uh, like Frio uh, video that like, that just to just to kind of like see how other people shoot outside people you know what i mean like in, yeah. in situations like that that's so like, great man like i and i remember in my early years like i tried to use the fact that i had such a small camera to my advantage and like i was coming up with such creative shots that you know you couldn't do on major productions um one shot that i did uh that i i love and i remember to this day uh, was in new york city like the artist was like in the in the passenger seat of a taxi cab, like wrapping out the window to me in the back seat. I was like hanging out the back seat window, right. shooting him hanging out the front seat window while a taxi cab was just fucking like zooming down like, you know, second Avenue. Right. And like, I'm like, man, no one's ever done that shot before. And high end videos probably can't do it because like the cameras are so big and it looks so fucking cool. So like, that's just an example of like, you can use, you know, your lower production to an advantage, you know, yeah. like, so like like little things like that is just you know getting creative and just you know just doing the best you can with what you have. Right, I I appreciate the advice big time, um, especially coming from you. Uh, and then uh, I guess Jiggy, while you're here too, um, another inspiration of mine is uh, stand-up comedy. I I love it. If like I had the will for it, if I didn't have a clothing brand and digging into some other things I like, I would love to get into stand-up comedy. I write stand-up comedy jokes in my notes like 24-7 whenever funny shit happens to me and I send some to uh to a couple stand-up uh comedians out here on Long Island and and a couple of my jokes have surfaced but uh but for you like when it comes to like writing a joke itself like what are some things that come into mind for you because like I don't necessarily go out and work the joke myself but what are some things when you're when you're writing and concepting something that uh that you like to pinpoint on I think I, I look at stand up as a as a performance art, you know, so I don't think that uh, you can truly write a joke with a pen and pencil and, and know if it's going to be good or not. You have to work it on a stage. So that's the, that's the hardest part. It's, it's probably 65, 70 percent of any bit is how you deliver it. Right. So um, I don't write jokes word for word. I never have um, because there's so many parts of it there's how you deliver it there's your facial expressions or your cadence there's it's how you work the audience so i usually just write ideas and i work them in front of a crowd and some jokes take years uh, most of my jokes are still w- getting worked on or i'll tag things up and extend them or cut things off or whatever it may be so i think the it's the, the tough answer is that you have to perform it in front of a live audience i think right. for, for stand-up specifically and then when it comes up to other types of comedy writing i think it's uh is uh is workshopping with with your peers too i think that's i think that's important yeah because i'll i'll come up with a joke and i'll write it down i'll send it to some people and then they'll tell me they worked it and they like it or it's not working and again like you're saying it takes time it's not like these things surface right away but uh but it's like i'm almost envious of that feeling that they get to go work it you know what i mean even though i don't i don't necessarily get to so i get exactly what you're saying with the sense of uh of like working the joke and and delivering the joke is very important 
who are your favorite current stand-up comedians right now? Oh, God, that's tough. I, I don't watch that much stand-up, to be honest. That's good. I, 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 I never was able to, like, relax and watch it. But one comic that brought John and I together, um, <laughs> we, we love Andrew Dice Clay. Okay. And, uh, we just fucking love him. Um, and he's one of those guys that is like, I don't know if like you're laughing with him or at him now because it's like, we're so removed from the era. But if you look back at like the late eighties, early nineties, when people are like waving towels, like all of Madison square garden, like waving towels at like these like jokes that would get him canceled in like three seconds. Um, you're laughing at multiple, you're laughing at the jokes, but also like that he's saying it and then how people are reacting. Uh, to me, honest to God, if I had, to buy one ticket to watch a stand-up show in America right now, I would seek out trying to find Andrew Dice Clay. And we have tried, and we will eventually <laughs> succeed. I hopefully, I hopefully uh, get to hear that you guys get to go to that show because um, because I've seen some of his stuff on YouTube and stuff like that, and, and, and that, that's got to be cool to experience in person. Um, I, got a fun, I got a funny story about Jiggy real quick about, about jokes. Jokes? <laughs> God, it, it's actually uh it's actually the night we met for the first time. Um, Jiggy hit me up to do a video in uh, Orlando at a golf course to shoot a comedy music video called Lob Wedge okay. for a song for a song he had just made. I didn't know him from a hole in the wall, but I flew down to Orlando and then the night before we started shooting, we were grabbing some beers in Orlando or or around the Orlando area and we were just kind of just chopping it up. And I don't even think it came up as a joke. I think he was just telling me as a story. This was like before like the Tinder days. I think, Jiggy, what was it? It was... Uh, okay Cupid. Okay Cupid. Okay Cupid. He's telling me like oh, an Okay Cupid date story. And <laughs> uh, I mean, I'll let him get into the specifics of it because he can tell the, the story so much better than I can. But he's telling me this story about an Okay Cupid date. And I think I remember asking him, I'm like, is that part of your stand-up set? And I don't think it was. And I was like, you should make that part of your stand-up set. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I want to say he like, he tested the joke out while I was there at like this like small show and like it crushed. And then he started doing it more and more. And like, it became like, it became like a thing, a jiggy set. And like, I, I got to see it kind of transpire and it, it all started with him like telling me as a story. And I think that just goes to show that like, you know, workshopping things really is, he wasn't even workshopping it. He was just telling me a story. And, but just like having other people around to bounce off ideas off of is just so important. Jiggy, tell the story. But I think that's very <laughs> indicative of the stand-up process though. Like, I think there's so many things that like your instincts tell you that like, no one's going to fucking understand this or no one's going to like this. And yeah. then it, it just takes one person. In this case, it was John to be like, no, you got to like, you got to try this out. But um <laughs> I was telling him very casually that I went on this date, my first time I ever taking a girl out on a dating website. This is in like 2010 or 2011. I took a girl out on OkCupid, which was a free dating website. And at the time, like there was, you didn't get multiple pictures. Like that's a luxury now. But like in the OkCupid free online dating times, it was like, it was one picture. And like the girls played this game where it'd be like, there'd be seven girls in the picture or it'd be just like a picture of a whale. And you'd be like, I don't know who this is. Um, but she's very nice. She, you know, send me a little message. So I, I took this girl out on a okay Cupid date. She matched a profile picture in person really well. Um, and on the first date, she invited me back to her apartment and she goes to her room. She's like, I think you're going to like this. And she brings out this little jar from her purse. I'm like, what the hell is that? Was, she whispered in my ears and she said it was chocolate raspberry ball sauce. <laughs> <laughs> like I met this girl three hours ago at an Applebee's and now she, she didn't even know what my full name was. She knew me by my screen name, Jiggy Me J 21. <laughs> and, and how long did she have that jar waiting for someone? Well, yeah, I mean, that's part of it because she opened it and um, it wasn't even a new container. <laughs> 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 this girl was dipping. Oh my god! That I've is... heard that. I've heard that joke a hundred times. It never gets old. I know, so, but I. So I, it's like a. It's a. It's a long bit. But I've told that show. I told that joke uh, uh, for for years. But that was literally. I think I met John eight, almost nine, eight, nine years ago, and I told him that, um, like the first night 
that we hung out and uh yeah I, I used it on stage for i mean it was an integral part of my act for like at least four or five years yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, i guess part of the process of like anything is like you kind of have your instincts sometimes tell you not to not to uh to put things out there and and oftentimes you can surprise yourself of what resonates with people if you just if you're open or experimental just try something right but i I, i've seen that joke like uh like organically like grow and transpire and change over the years and like there's been so many funny elements that he's like added like or like used to punch it up and like for instance what he just said like <laughs> when he's on stage and he's like it wasn't even a new container that girl's been dipping <laughs> <laughs> and like people go fucking nuts and i'm like yeah <laughs> he's doing it <laughs> that's kind of uh kind of the feeling that i was talking about before um but kyle got anything else to spin, on, spin by these guys one one last thing for John here. Um, I know you got you've been dabbling in the uh, music production, like you talked about earlier. Um, you had recurring guest uh, who everybody, if you've listened to this podcast, should go check them out. Uh, Forty Four Phantom. You guys just dropped the song uh, "Save Me." What's that yeah. been like for you? Oh, that's awesome, man. I mean, whenever you find like a young piece of meat who's just so talented, like <laughs> like uh, like Phantom, he. I, I can't take all the credit. Uh, Johnny Copiano, he, he, he's the one who actually brought him uh, or showed me his music. Um, at the time, he was only 17 years old. And, you know, he, Johnny sent me a link of his music to a song called Break Your Heart. And uh, within like 10 seconds, I'm like, oh, man, yeah, this kid's voice is incredible. Um, I rarely like I rarely get, you know, super pumped about new artists. And when I heard his voice, like immediately, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, you know, he, he's got it. And, and he's, he's a perfect example of someone who's like, I think every artist should take notes because he's, he's like, he's part of like this new wave of young artists who like have the accessibility of like YouTube tutorials at their fingertips where he's taught himself how to like engineer his own music. Um, and he's taught himself how to like play piano. He taught himself how to play guitar. He's, he's just constantly learning because he has all those tools at his fingertips that everyone has. So right. for now he's eight, now he's 18 and like he can already play instruments. He's an incredible songwriter and he's like very self-sufficient in what he does. And I think that's what it takes to be like a very, um, just a very successful artist. You know, you, have, you, you just have to like do a lot of things on your own and learn a lot of things on your own and it makes you a better collaborator. So I like working with him because it's just like, it's such an easy collaboration because whatever like I can't do, he kind of picks up the slack. Uh, but it's, it's made music production just so much more fun for me. And like, I, you know, I, I kind of been in and out producing music over the years, but uh, you know, he's, he's been someone that's kind of brought me back into it. And, you know, we've probably for the past eight months, we've been making just nonstop music and, you know, we've only put a handful out, but there's probably another, you know, 15 or 20 in the back burner that, you know, we're excited to put out. Um, and it's, I, I love that, you know, we share a lot of this similar styles of music too. You know, he likes a lot of rock inspired stuff and that's kind of always been my bag. So I get to bust out the guitar a little more and, uh, you know, just stuff like that. So I, I, I think deep down, I've always wanted to be either in a rock band or a rock producer. And it's like, it's kind of exciting to kind of, you know, that, that one thing I wanted to do all those years, I, I get to finally do. So like, it's, it's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah. It's nice to nice to hear you on the other on the on the production side of things again too, man. Mm -hmm. uh, but I guess thanks for taking some time and coming to talk to us. Uh, I guess before we give you your little stage here, John, I'm gonna uh, every once in a while I like to send Mike a message and see if we can get him on here. But uh, <laughs> if you can put in a good word, I know he's a good, busy guy. Um, I'm gonna be sending that message coming up because we have a whole bunch of free time and. Um, and I'd love to get him on here. And I know uh, he's super busy, but if we get a half hour, 40 minutes, that'd be dope. But uh, I'd, I'd love that too. But to be honest, I can barely get him on his own podcast. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, sure, I'm sure he's a super good guy. And, and literally, I say this because, and I'm being honest with you, we've always want to have, we always want to have Mike on here since we started this. But uh, recently, our fan base has been hitting us up like OD, like asking us like, hey, are you getting Mike on? And that never really happened before. You know what I mean? Like up until this point, and I think it's just, we've been uh, we've been a little bit more consistent in having some bigger guests on here. So I'm just saying that people have definitely reached out to me like, hey, we'd love to hear that conversation. But mm -hmm. this, is, this is the time to uh, give you your stage and, and kind of plug your stuff and, 
and get a message that you guys want out to our fans or the people that are going to be tuning in because you guys are here um, or the new listeners. Um, so just uh, take your little time, make sure they plug your stuff. I'm pretty sure anybody listening knows where to find you guys, but this is your stage. Mark, plug the snoozers, baby. Listen, get your phone out, okay? Get ready, get ready to nap. Um, I mean, the only thing I want to plug is the snoozers. Um, the snoozers is is uh, on Spotify. It's on Apple Music. Uh, the snoozers. We have three albums on there: California Waves. We have uh, Thunderstorm, Campfire. But uh, I think they're great albums to listen to to go to sleep. But every time you listen to it on repeat to go to sleep, you're helping uh, John and I make the movie. Uh, that we're really passionate about. So I hope that everyone can go on, listen to the album, but not just one night. Can make it part of your um, routine and uh, and feel good about making you know independent art because that's really what it is. Yeah, what he said. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. No, I'm definitely I'm definitely gonna tune in from now on because I do have trouble sleeping and I am looking for something to listen to. So I'm about to start using you guys. Normally I just throw off something on YouTube, but uh, but I'm gonna start start definitely using um, your playlist again. Thanks for coming on. We spoke to you guys um, uh, a bunch of times, and every time that we do speak to you, you know, we get to learn something and we have good talks. Jiggy, I'd love to have you on individually so we could talk about stand-up comedy and maybe like a little history about it and and stuff that's going on now. Um, I'd love to talk about it, and I think that we don't talk about it enough on here. So if we could line that up for some time in the future, but, uh, but uh, thanks a lot guys. Uh, big fans of you guys and love to hear that you got all these cool things in the works. And, um, and I'm just super excited to start to see the movie pan out and everything. And, um, and thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Great. Keep going guys. Thanks. Good talking to you, bros. I never thought in a million years we'd be fighting over toilet paper at the CVS or wherever you get paper goods. But here we are, coronavirus 2020. I'm in the back row, looking for a role. Are you the manager? Do you know where it is? Your shelves are empty, I know the biz. So tell me where it's at, yeah, tell me where it's at. Yeah. Stomach is growling, a rat-a-tat-tat. And I know the shaman is king of TV. But I'll take the one fly, I'll buy anything. I need a roll, I need a roll. Yeah. I need a roll, I need a roll. Yeah. I need a roll, I need a roll. For gloves and for masks I need the TP that's king of my task I'll get it and hoard it A roll for a loan You get it, supply it A dog to a bone I will pay double for all of your stock I'm too TP like Diddy to Ciroc So here is the question we all want to know Do you guys have any toilet paper? When I go number two, my girl need TP when she goes P2. Wait, girls need TP when they P wait. That's like twice as much TP. I've been wiping with the rough stuff. Hold up, my booty hole looking red like a fruity roll up. Back in the day when I used to wipe with wet wipes all day. Oh my god, that was the sh. I need a roll, I need a roll. Yeah. I need a roll, I need a roll. Yeah. I need a roll, I need a roll. Let me get the TP, let me get the TP. Tell me, tell me, let me get the TV, let me tell me, tell me, let me get the TV, let me tell me, tell me.